welcome to the latest episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're going to be talking all about PSG's 3-1 win over Lons at the Parc de Prince. And here to do, help me do that is Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan, welcome into the show. Uh, I know you were watching the match at a bar there in Boise. What was the atmosphere like? Were there any other PSG fans or maybe any Lons fans? Yeah, no, uh, no Lons fans, um, unfortunately, but... Um, and actually, it, that bar—it's—it's it's kind of funny. Sometimes I'll go in there, and it'll be packed to the gills. Uh, just kind of def- depends. There's a lot of Premier League fans that that are there, so you get some Man United, Arsenal, Newcastle, and Man City fans mostly, but uh, some Chelsea fans. But it's mostly full of that. Since most of those games were over for the day, uh, when I got in there, uh, I took my fiance and my brother. We were all three there rooting for PSG. Uh, it was just us three when we walked in. So bar was pretty empty that day, but it filled up a little bit as the match went by. But no, we were the only ones there for that game, unfortunately. But so I can't say it was the craziest atmosphere, but um, yeah, but it's always a good time over there. We want to talk about PSG Lons. That match just ended less than probably 30 minutes ago, maybe under 45 minutes ago. So we're it's fresh. It's fresh on our minds is the point I'm trying to get. So there's a lot to like from this match. I've never been – I've been more excited, but, like, it just feels like it's been so long since we actually watched a an entertaining Paris Saint-Germain football match. So, like, I'm just – if you can feel it in my voice, I'm, I'm very excited. I want to dive into this game. There's a lot to pick apart. Um, so let's just start first, starting lineup. Um, how close do you think that we're getting to Enrique's ideal starting 11? Um, who is most – most at risk of losing their spot. And and um, as you're thinking about your answer, let me just run through the starting lineup here. You had Asensio uh, as the striker, Mbappe on the left wing, Dembele on the right wing. You had Ugarte uh, in the midfield, Vitinha and Zaire Emery on the wings there in the midfield. And then you had um, Hernandez, left back, Skriniar, and Marquinhos were your center backs, and Hakimi on the right wing. And, uh, of course, Donnarumma in goal. So that was your starting lineup against Lons in the 3-1 win. So what did you like from that starting lineup and, and who's at risk of potentially losing their spot? Yeah, I think uh, as uh, once again, as always, as we've seen in our first three games, uh, Ugarte was amazing again. I, I was I was so high on him when we signed him. And I, I think a lot of fans were as well. I'm not saying I definitely wasn't the only one that was uh, that really rated him. But I feel like now we're seeing a lot of a lot of other fans that you know, kind of look for more flashy signings. Cause I mean, he's a defensive midfielder. He's a ball winning midfielder. It's not the most flashy of positions, but it's clearly, it's one of the most important positions. I mean, we've seen, it's why, you know, we've had Verratti as a, a different profile, but somewhat similar. And he's been great for us for, for years. And he's been a big part of our success. A lot of champions league matches that we should have lost. We got a draw or a win because of, you know, the, 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 the skills of, of Verratti. So uh, Manuel Garte, I feel like was great. Again, love that. Uh, he's definitely our six of the future. I said it right when we signed him. He's just going to, I feel like I'm so excited that we got that guy. So um, I feel like he's, there's a good chance that he's going to be, end up being better than some of the very expensive defensive midfielders that were signed in the premier league, but we got him for 60 mil. And a lot of those guys were well over a hundred mil. So feel like, yeah, great signing from us. Um, you know, it's funny. I was telling my fiance earlier today, just prepping her. She doesn't watch a lot of football, but um, telling her that, yeah, like Asensio is the starter, but only because Gonzalo Ramos is hurt. But then Asensio scores today. Uh, so it's not that, you know, one shot, one, not that one goal should, you know, make a guy untouchable, but um, I feel like he definitely had a good game. Um, playing up, didn't expect he'd have such a, a good game. But it's, I do feel like Gonzalo Ramos will still be the guy that we're going to be playing with. Um, but I am really interested to see if we ended up getting, if we end up getting uh, RKM out of Frankfurt, then, I mean, we're going to have four great attackers, but only three spots to play him in. So I'm not sure who's going to get booted out there. Um, I guess it's going to depend on the lineup. But I, I, at the very worst, we're going to have a nice variety to choose from. You know, some days it'll be Gasol Ramos playing at striker. Some days it'll be Colomuani. Other days it'll probably be Ramos starting at striker and Colomuani on the right wing if Dembele is 
not available or Enrique doesn't feel he's a good fit. So um, overall, I'm just I'm just like how you are feeling. I'm feeling good about this this team. I know it's just one win, but to be fair, we probably should have won our last two games as well. Uh, we're fourth in the table. We're only two points behind uh, first place. Actually, weird thing, since uh, Marseille won this morning before our match, and now that Stade Brestois have dropped points, no team in Ligue 1 went three wins in three games to start the season. So everyone's on seven points or less. So um, I think that is good for us. You know, our slow start has essentially been canceled out by other teams' slow starts. So Marseille is just on six points. We're on five. Um, Monaco's on six, I believe. So, yeah, I, I, I'm feeling real good about the team right now. Yeah, I'm feeling really good, um, just like you. I wrote a piece over on our Substack about what I think is PSG's best starting lineup, and it's very similar to what um, Enrique ran out today, except for a couple of changes. I think Colomani is going to come in. I think he's already agreed to personal terms. We're just trying to figure out, is it 80 million? Is it 100 million? I think that there's a deal to get done there. I think he, he's definitely come in. Barcola, I'm not as sure, but he, he says he wants to leave and he wants to come to Paris. So I, I also would put that probably greater than 60% chance that he comes to PSG. But Kola Mouani, I think, is probably 90%. I, I feel pretty confident about that one. Hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me. So anyway, I wrote this piece about the best starting lineup, and I've got – I've got RKM, as you called him. Uh, there is the striker. I got Mbappe on the left wing, Dembele on the right. Um, I also assume that Verratti is going to stay. He may have agreed to terms with one of the Saudi uh, teams, but it doesn't seem like they want to pay up. And I think he's a player. He's under contract. May as well just you know keep him. He's quality, and if he's willing to stay, then I think he can certainly do a great job in that midfield. Um, I like Kagan Lee um, as more of your attacking Midfielder, I liked some of what I saw from Vitinha today, but I, I think if I had my uh, choice between Vitinha or Kangin Lee, I probably would go with the newcomer. Um, and then, of course, Ugarte, who we can talk about. I've got a, you know, we're going to talk about the midfield just in general, but I think he's definitely in one of the first names on the um, on the starting lineup. And then here's where I think we need a little bit of a shakeup. I've got, you know, when he comes back, Nuno Mendes, I think he he will come back into the, the left-back position. Skriniar, as advertised, wonderful. Your prototypical center back, big, great positioning, tough. I love everything about him. I would, I would take out Marquinhos and put in Danilo at this point. I think we've seen enough from Marquinhos. He's struggling. I know he's currently the captain, although there's some debate of whether that he will be the captain for this season. I, I think Danilo, he's been more consistent. I think he's earned it. Even if that's not his quote-unquote you know preferred position, he's really good at it. I would put him there. And I like the pairing of Danilo and Skriniar as your center backs. Just physically, just two imposing guys there in the box for crosses and corner kicks. So I, I think I, – I just love that pairing. That would be my preference. And then at this point, we, we're going to talk a little bit more about the players that didn't stand out. But I think Hakimi at this point probably needs to sit on the bench – when uh, Mukiele is healthy, I would bring him in. And um, Donnarumma, ugh, let in a goal late. I don't know if it was completely his fault, but playing out of the back when he's got the ball at his feet, I mean, you talk about increasing blood pressure. I, I get so nervous anytime he's got the ball at his feet and there's a defender coming. I get really nervous. So um, all that to say, I think we're getting very close, but I think there's a couple more tweaks to the starting lineup uh, that Enrique is going to want to make. Any other thoughts on the starting lineup before we get to the next topic? Yeah, all good points. Uh, I don't know why, for some reason, maybe it was because I was uh, sipping on a couple beers while I was at the uh, at Liga in downtown Boise watching the game. But for some reason, I just never felt like this was a game that we were going to drop points in. When Donnarumma was, when he had the ball at his feet, there was maybe one time in the whole match that I felt nervous. Um, maybe that's just me kind of being naive, but... For some reason, I just felt a little better about that today. But um, other than that, what you said, I definitely think it's worth uh, Enrique playing Danilo at center back. According to you know some reports that L'Equipe and La Parisien uh, re- reported earlier this week, there was that second vote for captain that a lot of us saw. Apparently, according to them, Danilo got second in that vote, if I'm remembering right. So a lot of the players might look up to Danilo as just as worthy of a captain as Marquinhos, which 
in that case, then yeah, I think it's definitely worth figuring out for Luis Enrique. Uh, he needs to figure out which one of those guys he prefers. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, I just wasn't looking at the game the same as everyone else, but Skriniar was obviously very good, but I would say I get nervous when the ball is is at his feet a little bit. I feel like he lets defenders get in a little too close, but I, I think that's probably not an issue because, like you said, he's he's such a big body. He's such a strong guy that you're not often going to just dispossess him very easily, um, and he'll definitely just take a foul if he thinks he's going to get dispossessed. So, um, yeah, so overall I thought it was good. You said that you'd probably take Kangan Lee above Vitinha. It's definitely close. I've always kind of been partial to Vitinha since we signed him. But yeah, I think it's definitely just a situation of does Luis Enrique think that, you know, Kangan Lee's dribbling is going to be more beneficial or or Vitinha's um I mean, I feel like he finds space a little bit better. Um I feel like he definitely shoots more, which is probably a downside, but I feel like we get at least one long shot a game from Vitinha, and he basically never scores it. But I feel good about Vitinha. And then um, yeah, it's it is tough if if uh, Colomani or Gonzalo Ramos is going to be the the guy up up top. They're just such different players. I mean, Gonzalo Ramos is like probably a true advanced forward, um, or maybe like a, a target man. I know those are kind of different roles, but he's you know he's they're they're both you know good in the air. But obviously they're different profiles. Colomani loves to kind of go out wide, which could work with Mbappe more. But um, Gonzalo Ramos is more of a true nine, so it is tough. I like Gonzalo Ramos's profile more, but um, I am looking forward to if we sign RKM. I think it'll be good. I just think the big thing is that we really need to get a little more Deadwood out. I mean, we've still got four or five guys that are clearly not in Enrique's plans that we need to sell before the the season. So. If we can get those guys out and get RKM in, I'm okay if we don't get Barcola, honestly. Um, I, t- Admittedly, I'm not uh, super knowledgeable on him, but I'm okay if we don't sign him. So if we're going to keep Verratti, then we don't need to replace a midfielder. So if we just sell some Deadwood, bring in RKM, that's, that's good for me for the transfer window. Yeah, Barcola would definitely uh, be a, a bench player. And you can look at PSG's bench. You know, last season against Bayern Munich, we had to bring in Bichiabu uh, against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Now, you know, potentially we would have a Marquinhos on the bench, Lucas Hernandez on the bench, Hakimi on the bench. So we, we suddenly would have some really solid options uh, to choose from instead of bringing teenagers on in a uh, knockout stage Champions League match. But uh, we'll talk more Champions League in the future. I want to talk about Mbappe because he was cheered by the Ultras at the park today when his name was announced, and then he went out and delivered. Scored a brace. His first goal set up by Lucas Hernandez was absolutely stunning. Just a missile into the back of the net. Uh, The pass was just perfect. Uh, Mbappe was able to run right onto it and put his foot through it. So great goal. The second one, you know, I'll take a lucky goal deflected. It's fine. But overall, what do you make of Mbappe's performance? And in particular, I called this out on Twitter, him and Dembele seem to have this like telepathic connection where they know where to run, where the other one likes the ball. Like we didn't see that as much with Messi and Neymar. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's that France connection. Um, yeah, they, they definitely do. Uh they are kind of on the same wavelength. I, I was, I've always thought, you know, for a long time that if you get a lot of guys who all speak the same language or from the same culture, it's not even that they all have to be French. It's just if they speak French, if they, if they're used to what it's like being in Paris, they just kind of understand each other. There's, there's a greater cultural connection there. I've always thought if you just get a lot of guys like that, I mean. For example, not that Lons are a fully French team or, you know, we've seen Lille when they won the title in, in 2020 or 2021 was an all French team. But I feel like you get a lot of guys like that where as as an individual, they're they're not that talented of a team, like they're decent. But if you get a team that just like they just understand each other, then I feel like you can you just see you can see much better football from from that standpoint. They just understand each other. They they grew up in sort of the same philosophy of football, the same style. And it's pretty clear that Dembele and, and Mbappe have grown up in something like that. 
which also you have to think is super exciting. If Cole Mwani comes, I believe he is also from Bondi, the uh, northeastern Parisian suburb that that Mbappe is from. So you got to believe you're right. You yeah, got to think it up, if, pretty if sure. all three of them. I mean, people have have uh, have guessed that you know Mbappe just wants to basically have French national team practice at PSG. If that's the case, and, and we get all three, we've got all three of those guys on the same squad. I mean, it, it could be pretty special. Yeah, Colomani is from is from Bondi. Into into your point there, I mean, France is like the best national team, maybe second best since they no, lost to Argentina. They're, like, they're, is it the worst uh, plan to the bring best your friends? National team in the world. I mean, Argentina won that World Cup, but I think if you play that match ten times, France probably wins six or seven. Um, maybe that's just because I'm biased because I'm French American. If you're a, an Argentine uh, PSG fan, then uh, I apologize. Just agree to disagree, I guess. But you know, France is, I think, the best national team in the world. So yeah, it would just it would just be an incredible connection. So man, I don't know. The future is exciting. That's all I'll say. Sorry, I didn't unmute my mic there. Yeah, and then um, you know Mbappe just see the joy on his face after his one goal. He, he goes over and he celebrates with uh, Luis Enrique, the manager. He's just out there playing with a renewed joy that I don't know if we saw, and especially after the turmoil of this summer and is he staying, is he going? Who who would have thought we would feel like this at this moment? Who even thought that he would even be in the team scoring goals? But he just makes such a big difference. And I have to, at this point, it has to be that he went to leadership and say, "You need to get rid of X, Y, and Z. You need to bring in these players. We need th- we need to bring in." Th- he maybe even said, "We need to bring in uh, Enrique." Maybe he was the one who shut down the Nagelsmann talk. Um, something is going on behind the scenes, and Mbappe's clearly got his way. Things are definitely clicking now that he's getting his players in. If we get Kola Moani, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit later a question, so I won't say it now. But he. Mbappe and Campos, they're putting together a pretty good team. Even if Mbappe is not going to take credit, I think he's got something to do with it behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he does have something to do with it, uh, for better or for worse. Um, you know, I think you. I, I think just from what I've seen on Twitter that you and I have have differing opinions on this, but I still, I still believe if Mbappe has not signed a contract extension. By August thirty first, I still think we need to sell him because he has it hasn't happened. And I get that these things take time, but he needs to. I feel like he needs to prove to the club and to the fans that he is truly here to stay. Because if he's thinking, "Oh yeah, we're, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna extend. It's gonna happen." We get to September third, you know, a couple of days after the transfer window, and then he's thinking, "Sweet, now I can just write out the season and leave for free at the end." Um, then he's completely hosed us, just like before. It's just. He did it in a much sneaker way where we weren't, you know. If, if that was a potential, do you think PSG would be spending as much money as they are? You know, $60 million on Garte, 80 to 100 on Colomani, the wages. I mean, would they be spending as much if they're going to – they really think that he's going to leave for free? Yeah, I still do. I mean, I've I've got a couple tweets in my drafts uh, on, on, on X uh, or Twitter. Um, I've been – you know, you, you guys know me if you listen. I, I like – studying the finances of football and the finances of PSG. And I've been studying it and we should pass FFP essentially no problem uh, in the, the, for the next couple of years, um, especially just the amount that we've cut back on the wage bill. And I mean, we're 10th in net spend in Europe for the past five years. So really we're not, there are, there are several clubs spending far more than us. And those clubs are still going to pass FFP. So the new FFP rules, I think, are a bit more lax than the old ones. But I think that's sort of, you know, the new rules are, they started last season. Um, and I think, you know, COVID kind of made it tough on a lot of clubs. So I think UEFA kind of stepped back a bit and made it a bit easier for clubs to pass financial fair play rules. But um, I, 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 I'm still convinced that we need to get him an extension or sell him. So I would love if he extended. It'd be great. Um, but I do worry still a little bit that, you know, I don't think he'll, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say anything cause I don't, I don't want to be wrong, but I'm still a little afraid that we could <laughs> lose him for free, but 
But I will say, yeah, it is very interesting how much passion he seems to be playing with. I mean, we saw last week when he scored the penalty, he ran straight to, he jumped over the barrier. He ran straight to our ultras in the corner today, mostly the same thing. So um, I would love, I would just love for Kylian Mbappe to, to say, yep, I'm staying here for the next couple of years. Let's try and win a Champions League. Because you know what? If he really wants to, he can go to Real Madrid when he's 28. He'll still be in his prime. He can still give them five plus very good years. So, um, but I guess one more little thing that I got to say on that is um, I said at the very beginning when you asked me this question, uh, for better or for worse, I think I'm of the opinion that he essentially booted Neymar out. And and he might even be booting Verratti out, although I can't see that as much. But a lot of the Deadwood and a lot of these guys that have have been here a little bit, he's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a changing of the guard. Um, and I think Mbappe does have something to do with that. So I think it was the right move to sell Neymar. I just, I don't know. Sometimes the the why, or what am I thinking? The why is more important than than the what or the how. I think that if Mbappe is the guy that essentially convinced the club to boot Neymar out, then I think just that's that's still an issue. Um, if if we've got a player that's telling management what to do, but simply on at face value, I do think that the Neymar sale was a good idea. But um, just like I said, if if Mbappe is the one pulling the strings on that, you know, say Mbappe leaves, or say that someday he asks for something we can't give him, is it going to cause an issue? So I've still got that in the back of my mind, but um, overall promising stuff but i do want to see that contract extension in the next couple days i'm I'm with you if we remember the last time this all came up mbappe waited until the transfer window closed and then he did an interview and said yo you know i i did ask to leave this wasn't a last minute thing and so he kind of clarified some things i wonder if we'll get that again i also wonder if he would sign a new contract during the season or if he would make us all painstakingly wait until after the season like last time and then make his decision and we all go crazy when he resigns so it'll be interesting if he follows the same playbook or if he's got something else in mind for us um either let's move to the midfield which was absolutely outstanding warren zaire emery um who after the game grabbed the megaphone and was singing with the ultras if you haven't seen that go on twitter and just search for it. it's it's beautiful it's awesome work on a singing voice but who amongst us uh uh you know can sing but you know so he had moments where he just jumped off the screen you, you see why he's one of the the unsellable players I, I remember one moment he tracked back and put in a tackle to win the ball that's just something we didn't see much last season the players were running like crazy it was just great to see Vitinha when he was more forward thinking with his play when he passed the ball forward and wanted to be creative good things happened Mbappe got on the end of it um you know some really good chances but unfortunately, he, it's not the way he always thinks. I think that's why we kind of debate maybe him or King and Lee. Um, and then Manuel Agarte, we kind of talked to him uh, about him already. But my God, what a player. 60 million. What a steal. What a player. The guy's special. The fan base is buzzing. I don't know if I have a question here, Ethan, but just wax poetic about the midfield because it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. And yeah, Warren Zyramory had a super good game. Um, he was... He kept possession when he needed to. He made back passes when he needed to. But he also made forward passes, and he dribbled forward um, when he needed to. So, yeah, overall, he did he did super well. Um, yeah, Vitinha was playing as a, a winger for a lot of the game, which was a bit funky. But um, we saw a little bit of uh, – we saw Ruiz do that a little bit in the last couple weeks as well. But – um, yeah, he was he was decent, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I could talk about Ugarte all day. Just I feel like him alone, he just if you took the exact same team from last season, obviously it's not the same team. There are plenty of guys gone and plenty of new guys in. But if you took that team from last season, and then you had him in this exact season, I feel like we might actually be a Champions League contender just because of Ugarte. I mean, we, we've seen how much, I mean, every good Champions League winning side recently has had an insanely good defensive midfielder. They're the bridge between defense and midfield and attack. 
They're the one who I just feel like Ugarte is going to be responsible for. I can't remember how many goals we allowed last year. Probably, I would guess, 50 or so, maybe in 55 because we didn't keep a Champions League clean sheet. But I feel like whatever, however many goals. Oh, I could, you looking it up? I could pull that up. Goals against four, 40 Last goals. season? Like in all competitions? Okay, no, no, oh, just in the 40 in Liga, that's over a goal a yeah. game. And then in the Champions League, it was over a goal yeah. a game too. So, yeah, we probably allowed 55 goals last season. I feel like Ugarte alone is just just him being there is going to make sure that we we probably won't allow more than 45 this season. I don't think we're going to win the Champions League this year. But if you're a good defensive team, you've always got a chance. So, yeah, really promising signs. Um, we're going to move away from these. I mean, last season we had a lot of games. I think we beat Maccabi Haifa like 5-2 or something last year, something ridiculous like that. We're going to see a lot more 2-0 wins opposed to you know seeing 5-3 wins or 4-2 wins. So I've always been the believer that the midfield wins titles, the defense wins titles, and Ugarte is just a huge part of that. Um, yeah, so I was super thrilled when we signed him. Um, he was the guy that I wanted. Should, should we run through... Should we run through some of his stats real quick? 68 touches, 42 of 49 passes, three long balls, one dribble, nine ground nine ground Huge. Six successful tackles. I mean, so the guy – and then there was just moments where he was just yep. bulldozing guys over. Like, if you have the ball, he's mm-hmm. like a black hole. You will get sucked into him. You'll disappear, and he'll take the ball from you and spit it out. Like Nine it, ground duels one is, is crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's just like – remember last year we were talking how – Verratti, it seems like he would just – he'd have so many slide tackles. You're just like, Verratti is so good at slide tackling. It's crazy. Ugarte is is just like that in that sense. He doesn't have to go to ground as often. But, I mean, he is a true ball-winning midfielder as a, of, a, of a six. So, man, I feel like that is uh, yeah, just exactly the profile we needed, um, especially because we get a lot of teams in Ligue 1 who are going to counterattack us. Because they expect us to dominate possession, and that's even going to be more the case now that Enrique is here, you know, with a thousand passes a game. And when these teams try to hit us on the counterattack, you bet your ass that we're not going to allow as many goals with Ugarte back there, just running for his life. He's going to make a tackle that is like, it's it's just you won't see it because you know we can't see the future. We don't know what that whatever their attacking midfielder or their winger was doing. We don't know if he was going to make that killer pass, but I just, I promise you, if we allow more goals this season per, per game, because, you know, we've got four less league on games because the season's shorter and who knows how we'll do in the Champions League. But if we allow more goals per game this season than last season, I would just be shocked. There's no way. Like our defense must be better this season. So yeah, just, I could talk all day about him. Yeah. Let's, um, before we move on, let's get Luis Enrique's quote on Manuel Igarte. He says, I think the fans enjoyed him. He's a player who recovers the ball. He made a lot of recoveries in the opposition half, but also when we were defending, he is a very important he is very important for the team. So we need to keep him healthy. Protect Ugarte at all cost. Um, Ethan, it wasn't all roses though, because for me, Hakimi, Marquinhos, Don Ruma continue to make me jump off the sofa and scream at my TV with their play. Um, you just don't feel very confident in that they're going to make the right play. What is going on with these three players? What changes would you make? Assuming the entire squad is healthy. I mean, are these, I don't, down a room, you have to probably keep playing. I don't know if our new backup is, is ready to play, but when it comes to Hakimi and Marquinhos, it's time to send them to the bench. I mean, that's where I'm at. What do you think? Yeah, I don't, uh, I think while we're playing Liga games and we're figuring that out, then I definitely think it's worth playing Danilo in Marquinhos' spot, especially because Danilo is essentially vice captain. So yeah, 100% agree there. Um, we And it might be a season-long battle between those two to figure out who's going to be the real starter. I mean, if I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season if um, if Marquinhos has started 27 games and Danilo has started 23. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. So we might see that all season long. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, definitely at least worth testing out. Um, I know we've got Leon next. I think Leon next, right? On the third. 
Um, they they're in bad form, although they can be good. Obviously, they have got the they've got the team to be quality. It's just Laurent Blanc just has not got that team to work yet. And I believe Lacazette might be out for that game because he got a red card last week, and I think it's a two or three game suspension. So maybe it's worth trying Danilo in that game. Um, but yeah, and as far as Hakimi versus Mukiele, hundred percent. We need to see if Mukiele is going to beat him out at, at right back because. I feel like we've seen, you know, and I think we knew coming in when we signed Hakimi a couple years ago that he played really well in these teams that would play with three in the back. When he when he was a true wing back, he played better. But now under Enrique, he does really have to play as a fullback, you know. Obviously a more attacking minded fullback, but um I just yeah, don't know if it's the best fit. It's just a lot of games he just seems like he's, you know, bang average. He's just really you know he's not he's not doing anything super wrong, but he's just not contributing like like he should be. So yeah, I totally agree. Mukiele, as soon as he's healthy, he needs to be playing games. As soon as he's found his fitness truly, which could take a couple weeks, um, then yeah, I feel like those those two spots are definitely up for for grabs. I think they should be. I uh, I guess we'll yeah. see if Enrique feels the same way. But yeah, yeah, and it's a good thing. This is what you want. In, in a team at this level, you want competition every level. You want to have internationals as your your starter and your backup. So, like, this is a good place. This is the sporting project. This is what we want. And if Marquinhos and Hakimi aren't getting the job, you got to go to the bench, work in training, and wait for your, your turn to get back into the starting lineup when Mukiele or Danilo have a little spell where they're not performing. This is what we need. This is what a real sporting project looks like. I'm glad we're getting it. Hopefully, once everything's settled from the transfer window, Enrique can make those changes because I think it's pretty obvious if we notice it. I'm sure a seasoned veteran like uh, Enrique can see the issues as well. Um, I want to also talk about the transfer window. It's open just for a few more days uh, in France and most of Europe, I believe. Um, we talked about Colomuani, seems likely to join. Bradley Barcola is close as well, but I don't think anyone's going to lose sleep if he doesn't sign. Um, let's just assume Verratti stays and we get in Kolomwani. Is this a Champions League contending side? Do you think that they can compete with a Manchester City and a Bayern Munich, who I would say are probably the two favorite to win the tournament? Do you think they're right up there? Are they maybe the third best team then? Yeah, I could tell that that was the question you were holding on to about 15 minutes ago. You, you didn't even have to say it. I just knew that's what you were going to be asking now. Do I think that they're contending? Yes. Do I think they're going to do it? No. But that's not super important whether they win it or not this year. I think that's, you know, this is. But, but what are they missing? We just, we got, they've got the midfield. They've got the best player in football. They've got a defense. They've got depth. They've got a coach who's done it. I'd say, I'd say experience. And I think teams like Manchester City and Bayern Munich, they probably got a little more depth than us. The thing is, those teams might be a little bit better. But we've seen in the Champions League, I mean, no disrespect to Chelsea, but uh, you guys were not the best team in the world when you won the Champions League a couple years ago. Um, if Inter Milan had won it this last year, they almost sent it into extra time in the 88th minute of the final back in May. If Inter had done that and then played, you know, uh, disgusting low block and forced penalties and won it, no one would be saying that Inter Milan was the best team in the world. The thing is, as long as we're a top six team in the world, which I think we definitely can be this season, as long as we're a top six team in the world, then we'll be in the running for it. Um, I, I, I mean, I'll, I will not remember who said this tweet, but way back, probably in June, I saw someone that was, I was talking with someone on Twitter on just what we need to do as far as our sporting project to be serious and to be a true Champions League contender. And someone said, just look at Man City. They've been making the semifinals pretty much every year for like five straight years. It just took, they just needed to, they just needed that little tiny edge to get over the line. And I mean, that was it. Was their team that much different? From, well, they had Erling Holland last year, so I guess that's a bad question. But um, I mean, if you, if you look at some of these teams, like, yeah, Erling Holland was great, of course, but their team, everything outside of that, because I'm a believer that the the attack doesn't win championships. I already said the midfield and defense do. So 
they were just a little bit more improved in that in that aspect than prior years, and that's what got them over the line. I mean, people are talking every uh, every Messi fan that who thinks Messi should win the Ballon d'Or. Their argument is, um, you know, outside of the World Cup and all that, their diss towards Holland is that he didn't score a single semifinal or final goal for Man City last year. So Man City won all these titles. They won the uh, the treble or the quadruple without Holland providing any goals or assists in the, the crucial matches. And I think that just shows like you just gotta you just gotta be a team that can get to the quarterfinals or the semifinals most years. And eventually you're gonna have a year that clicks. You're gonna have a year where you've got it all figured out and you can do it. I, I like I said, I don't think this year will be that year for us, but I think we're definitely on the right track to do that sort of thing where we're making the quarterfinals every season. And uh, you know, it's just gonna take one year of We've truly got it figured out to do it. And I think I think we definitely could do it this year. I think we, I, I mean, I'm not even just, I'm trying to not be biased, of course, because I love my club, but I really think uh, any football fan who's followed us this, who's truly followed us this, uh, this off season would probably agree that, you know, if we can get this high pressing system down, I feel like we didn't do great at it today, but um, we hit them on the counter well enough to obviously get three goals. Um, we've definitely got the pieces there to where, you know, maybe in seven, eight months under this team, maybe if April comes around or March comes around, then yeah, we might be a top six team in the world. So that's really all you can ask for, I think. I mean, I'm just looking around. I see Kevin De Bruyne has gone down with an injury. Vinicius has gone down with an injury. Uh, Harry Kane is already losing trophies. <laughs> with Bayern Munich in Germany. And I think if there's ever a year where PSG could win the Champions League, it's going to be a season like this when people don't really expect them. They they think that, oh, look, Messi and Neymar left them. Look who they're still, Asensio, you know. No one's thinking this team can do it, and I think maybe that's when they can actually do it. I think it all comes down to health. If they can stay healthy, I think they got a really, really good chance. I think any team with a player like Kylian Mbappe is going to have a puncher's chance to win the Champions League. It's can you get a little lucky, get a bounce here or there, get a VAR decision. Like the, It always comes down to something like that. Um, and can you stay healthy? The manager is the right manager to get it done. He's done it before. This team has very little holes. We talked about earlier. They, they have depth. Maybe it's not as good as cities, but they do have depth. And if you don't have injuries, you don't need as much depth. But we do have good players that we could bring in. We're not bringing in teenagers. So I look around at this team and I'm like, well, if they can't contend with this, what else would they need in order to contend? Um, I, I just think they're great. And I, I think you need to keep Verratti um, and then bring in a Colomani. If you sell Verratti and you get whatever 60 million you got to bring in someone to replace them quickly and within this transfer window I, I think the midfield needs to have that kind of quality still in it so a lot of work to be done but i think yes i think this team can contend i would i would probably put them third or fourth if you want to put real madrid third just because of their pedigree okay so maybe psg are the fourth uh favorites to win um, the champions league which is pretty good considering where we were all at maybe a month ago and we were thinking that this was a complete maybe rebuild and hopefully we qualify for Champions League. It was a lot of doom and gloom in the fan base there, but I'm very high, especially after this performance, seeing what this team is capable of. And I don't think it's the the starting, um, the final starting 11 has been settled yet. I think it could get even better. Um, let's see, Ethan, we've got one more question and we got to get away from on the pitch. We talked a lot about PSG and Lons. I've got to ask you about these banners that uh, were being held up. So the Ultras held up a banner regarding Neymar's departure. It said, Neymar, finally rid of the rude. And then I saw that there's some Ultras over there in Miami that are holding up a similar banner, finally rid of the rude, for Messi. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, that's that's bold. Yeah, um, you know, I, I saw the banners during the match, but I, I wasn't really paying attention to what they said. But... Um, Okay, they said rid of the rude. Is that what they said? Rid of the rude. R U D E. Okay, uh, weird. Um, I mean, we know we know how a lot of ultras feel about Neymar, um, and I, I do kind of feel bad for for people who are true Neymar fans. 
they're probably feeling like they they definitely lost in this scenario with him leaving. But I think ultimately, as as a for a just for the club, I think it's the best that for the best that he that he's gone. I don't love that we signed someone who you could almost argue is the Neymar replacement in Dembele. I know they're they're not the same position, but you're talking injury prone. Um, you know, Dembele is the second highest paid player at the club. So was Neymar, although that's a big difference. I mean, Neymar was paid something like fifty-six mil a year, estimated, whereas Dembele is just at thirty-six mil. But that—that's still a bunch of money. Um, I don't know. That's just really interesting. Um, I'm wondering though, why, why, why were they holding that in Miami? Was that a bunch of inter Miami fans, or was that a bunch of PSG fans in Miami? No. It- it, it seems like, so this was from our friends at PSG Hub, and they said the Ultras seem to have gone to Miami to put a banner against Leo Messi, just like oh, the one at the oh, park okay. against Neymar. And and when I saw the one about Neymar, I'm, I'm like, look, he, he's he been here for a while. He's contributed a lot of goals. We had good memories with him. Got to a Champions League final. He's not bad-mouthing PSG from Saudi Arabia. Like, whatever you think of him, let's just let that go. This banner in Miami, though, because Messi seems to want to keep opening his mouth about PSG and talking about how miserable he was there, as if he's never had any media training. They ask you any kind of question alluding to PSG, had a great time there, has great memories, wonderful, met some really great guys, love Mbappe, got to play with Neymar again. But uh, yeah, I'm here in Miami. That's what you say. You don't say, I was miserable. Oh, my family hated it. Oh, it was tough. It's just unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. Like, just leave it be. So I, I'm okay with the banner in Miami because I think Messi is being rude. The one about Neymar, whatever you think of all, he's not bad-mouthing anything like that. Let, let's just leave okay. him being. Yeah, him yeah. Well. Okay, That's so what I now say. that I've got some context, um, I, I would say, yeah, anything towards Neymar, it's not like his tenure was not uh it's not like it was below average because of his you know his lack of effort the man truly i mean you saw his work rate was so good he he really gave it all he really wanted to be successful in paris you know people argue that oh he liked the party he liked the you know he was always you know i don't know some people would argue his mind was not completely focused on the pitch but i would i would disagree i mean i feel like he's kind of in the same boat as Verratti. Like, yeah, okay, they do some extracurricular stuff that ideally you'd probably like to not see, but it didn't really, at least it didn't seem like it affected their performance. It's not like it's not like Verratti gets injured because he smokes, or it's not like Neymar gets injured because he goes to McDonald's, you know? So, um, yeah, I really don't have anything bad to say about them. I just, I wish that Neymar, and a lot of people think that you and I really dislike Neymar, and we've both gone on record saying that's not the case. We just wish that he was healthy more. If he had been healthy more, I mean, I'm a Lakers fan. Thank God we've won a title in the last couple of years. But we'd be having the same conversation about Anthony Davis if we hadn't won a title. It's just, it's the same thing. He's so good when he's on the court, when he's on the pitch. It's just he's hurt all the time. And that's that's a real bummer for all. We just, we're upset that he's not healthy as often as he should be. So that's really what I got to say about, about uh, Neymar. But um, I also, mm-hmm. I feel like it's clear that Neymar did not, his first choice obviously was not going to Saudi Arabia. It was probably going back to Barcelona. But um, I really respect him for allowing us to get 100, 120 mil, whatever the fee is going to end up being after bonuses. I mean, he became our biggest uh, sale in club history by far. He alone has made it so that we really don't have to worry about FFP for the next couple of years. So I truly respect Neymar for that. Um, obviously, we wish that we could have won Champions Leagues with him, but given the situation, if we're being realistic about it, that was for the best. So, yeah. um, no, I really do. I'm appreciative that he allowed us to get that much money for him. Um, as far as Messi, though, the way I think of it, when he said all those quotes, um, I was in, I was on Twitter pretty active that day, and a lot of people thought I was really salty and stuff, and I feel like people just default to thinking that, PSG fans are salty about the whole Messi situation. But really, I, I kind of thought of it as just like, I wish the club hadn't signed a guy that probably didn't have his full heart in it. And then I also, it does make me think immediately 
to how uh, have you seen how Di Maria has badmouthed Manchester? It reminds yeah, same yeah, him and his wife same energy to me same energy. It's just it wasn't a good fit for him. It's just he. I mean, I guess Manchester United fans would say, yeah, Di Maria, he just couldn't handle the grind of Manchester United. I guess you could just probably say the same about Messi. He just couldn't handle the grind of, of Paris Saint-Germain, which is okay. I, I mean, no one's perfect. Even he's the GOAT, but no one's perfect, obviously. So it just wasn't the, the best fit for him. It just wasn't, you know, and some some PSG fans will always hate him because deep down they're a little bitter about the World Cup final loss. And you and I both root for France outside of, you know, when the U.S. isn't playing. But, and I was bummed after that World Cup final, but I, I don't have some grudge against Messi because he won a World Cup final over a country that I'm not even a citizen of. Yeah, I speak the language a little bit. I visit once or twice a year, but I'm not a French citizen. I love France. I love the French national team. I love that Mbappe's captain. But like, it's, it's not like he beat my actual home country in a World Cup final. I mean, if he beat the U.S., say that in 2026, he's playing still for Argentina and he beats the U.S. in a World Cup final, then yeah, I think I'm going to be uh, I'm gonna be pretty salty about that. And I think that's fair. But that's just not quite the case. I know that is for some people. But I think for the vast majority of PSG fans, we just didn't like how Messi's work rate was pretty, pretty lackluster. People have even mentioned it in the MLS. I saw some tweet yesterday. Someone's like, it's crazy how Messi will stand around for 10 minutes. And then as soon as he gets the ball, he springs into action. It's like, yeah, that's great for the attack. But clearly, clearly last year, it was our defense that lost us titles. And it's like... Yeah, he 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 would have stood out like a sore thumb today yeah. because everybody was yeah, running he, their he ass off. And he, he just can't yeah, play that can't. kind of and game even, anymore. I was even watching Mbappe especially close because we know that he also is notorious for not pressing. And he was, he was even giving more effort than usual. I wouldn't say he was pressing like a maniac, for sure. Um, he was not pressing as much as Neymar would, but he, he did it more than usual, which is good to see. It, it's, maybe he's, a, he's getting accustomed to Luis Enrique's style. So you're right. I think he would have stuck out like a sore thumb. So, yeah. I, I did think it was funny. I think it was uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, Paramount has the the broadcast for the U.S. Open Cup, and uh, they had the superstar cam, and it was just locked on Messi. And I was watching it, and just the superstar cam is just Messi like walking and walking. And then, of course, he does his thing when he finally gets the ball. But um, people tuning into that specific feed were maybe a little bit disappointed, or maybe not. Um, and then your your point about oh he beat France, I get that all the time with uh, the trolls. Oh, because they they think that I'm French or whatever, and I'm like I honestly don't care. It was a good game as a neutral. I enjoyed watching it. Good for Messi winning it. You know, I, I think I would have, I think I leaned uh, towards Mbappe and France winning it, but it wasn't like I was destroyed emotionally because Argentina won the World Cup. It's like it's not that serious. That was my dog, if you heard that uh, in the background. <laughs> um, anyway, Ethan, that's all the questions I have. Um, any final thoughts about PSG Lons or Bappe's performance or anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I guess other than what we've already talked about, I would be over the moon if we could sell Kaylor Navas, Julian Draxler, Jeannie Wijnaldum, and Juan Bernat. If we can sell all four of those guys before the transfer window ends, it doesn't even have to be for a fee. In fact, if it comes down to it, if we have to release them from their contract, but you know, not pay a termination clause, just essentially say, hey, they're going to break contract right now and we don't owe them anything, I'm good with that because that's 40, 45 mil off the wage book if we can do that. So if we do that, then um, yeah, Colomwani, signing him, it's only going to be, it's really not going to be much of an added cost on top of that. His wages would probably be 10, 15, 20 mil at the most, plus the fee. So I really want to see the Deadwood gone in the next, you know, we don't we don't have another match until the end of the window. So um, a lot of these guys that are here, I hope that this was the last ever match that happened while Draxler is a PSG player and et cetera. So, yeah. I, how crazy was that? He was linked to Crystal Palace. I, I was like, oh, a serious Premier League club wanted him, it but then it kind of fizzled out. But I was like, that would have been oh. so nice. Yeah, just, I mean, he, to be Get fair, Premier League money for so I always go off of the website capology.com. 
and they give pretty good wage bill estimates. They're pretty well respected, but they do estimate the Draxler's salary is a lot lower than guys like Wijnaldum, Navas, and um, when, um, I just said Wijnaldum, and one Burnett. But yeah, still, it would have been it would have been nice if uh, we could have got him. But I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, get the Deadwood out, um, get Colmani in, and then just we'll just continue to improve over the season. We've got a young team, much younger than two years ago. I remember some of those teams that Pochettino was playing with. Um, one of them I actually looked at. There was some match in April, right before Pochettino was out. You know, before that end of the season. And I was, we, it was when we were all really pissed that he wasn't playing uh, Javi Simons or anyone else or any young guys. And I did the math and I figured out that was like one of the top 10 oldest starting lineups in club history. And now we're looking at, you know, just 16 months later, we're, we're putting out some of the younger lineups of all, all time. So it's a good shift. I think we're heading the right direction. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Heading in the right direction is a good way to end the podcast. I, I tweeted this out. I said, when was the last time we had this much fun watching a, a PSG match? And I was like, was it the Tuchel area, era? And I was like, I, th- I think it might be. Some people pointed to the win. I think it was against Leo last season um, the with seven goals or something. That was certainly fun, but that was like the one blip yeah, all true. season that we had of, of joy. So maybe that was the last time, but if, if we can keep this level of play up with the running and the yeah. just the work rate defensively mm-hmm. and the tackling, I, there was so much to love. I, I saw people on Twitter like, what what is this? This is like a real team. This is so much fun to watch. And it's been a real, real pain. As someone who watches all of the PSG matches and writes about it, like it's been a, a really a, a sludge to get through it the last couple of years. So if we get this match uh, and moving forward, this kind of performance, it's going to be a fun season, whether we win the champions league or not, that remains to be seen, but there's a lot to be optimistic about some really good performances. We talked about them. Zaire Emery, Ugarte, Mbappe, of course, some really good players, and hopefully maybe a surprise or two as the transfer window comes to a close. So anyway, we'll leave you with that. I'm Ed with PSG Talk. Thank you, Ethan, for joining us. Make sure you visit psgtalk.com. Head over to psgtalk.substack.com. It's free. Go ahead and subscribe. we got some good columns over there. I'll do a player ratings piece either tonight or tomorrow. We'll have to see. So anyway, check that out. And, uh, you know, subscribe. Leave us a review if you can. Um, Leave us a comment wherever you subscribe. We'd love to read those. And uh, thanks for listening as always. Thanks, everyone. Bye.